Hello, this is Marta and you are listening to 15 Days and a Podcast. It is officially day one of the national lockdown here in Spain and I hope you are staying active, healthy and keeping your mind calm and the good kind of busy. Today I will be speaking about Italy, which has been on national lockdown as you probably know since March 9th and holds a very special place in my heart. I will not focus so much on the information about the lockdown itself, but on the lessons that we can take away from the Italians and the way in which they have faced this quarantine. Welcome and enjoy! All right. Italians have just spent uh, just over a week on national lockdown, as I said, since the 9th of March. And this was a measure imposed by the Italian government under Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte in response to the growing outbreak of COVID-19, or as we more commonly know it, coronavirus, in the country itself. As we know, the first case of a lockdown in Europe was this one, in Italy, and it was followed up by Spain, um, and it will most likely also be followed by other countries, such as France. France, actually, the Prime Minister of France, Emmanuel Macron, will be speaking later tonight and address the country in what I am guessing will be um, an order to quarantine as well. So Italy's foreign minister, uh, who is called Luigi Di Maio, said that Italy was the first nation in Europe to be affected so badly by the pandemic. But obviously he also hopes that that will also mean that Italy will be the first one to leave the emergency behind. Um, he said a very beautiful quote that I'd like to share with everyone that has become viral in all 20 Italian regions. Um, I'll say it in Italian and then I will translate it to English just because, as we all know, Italian just sounds so much better. So here it goes. Ricordiamoci che ai nostri nonni fu ordinato di andare in guerra, a noi stanno chiedendo di stare sul divano. And in English that means our grandfathers, let's remember, were drafted to go to war, were just being asked to stay at home. As you can see, it's a very moving, very dramatic sort of quote, but that just very well represents uh, what the Italians learned to be a lesson and a hopefully one in a lifetime experience um, that we're all going through in Western countries, in China, in Iran, and in other countries that are at a much lower risk uh, level, if you like. Um, that is also something important that I'd like to speak about with any of you that are interested is the fact that it's been mostly in the northern uh, part of the world in the northern globe as we normally call it that this coronavirus has affected the most uh, number of people the the largest parts of population but i'm guessing that also i'm no scientist spoiler alert but i'm guessing that also has to be with the fact that in the southern part of the world um, they are in the summer right now and during summertime the cases of coronavirus flu any other uh, of the sicknesses or illnesses are not as prominent but this is another another topic another question i will not delve into today as you know i'm talking about italy and for me to talk about italy you need to understand why i feel so moved by this country um, the truth is that i moved to italy at age 15 just before I turned 16, um, thanks to a scholarship that allowed me to do the two last years of high school in the beautiful Italian region um, of the city of Trieste, 
um, the town itself where I was living was called Duino, and you can look it up, you can look it up online. Um, the foundation, the organization that I was able or that enabled me to study abroad in Duino for two years was called United World College, UWC, for the ones that are more at use with the with the term, if you like. And it's a beautiful idea, it's a concept put into practice right after World War II by which um, a philosopher and a bunch of teachers, professionals decided to start schools where students at high school level from different countries would come together and would achieve peace or work towards a peaceful future through education. Um, with the hopes of making our future more sustainable. This all sounds very idealistic and, and in you will see that's a lot of where my idealism comes from. But it furthermore and, and going beyond what an ideal and an idealistic idea this may look like, it just was the most fabulous two years of my entire life. I spent them with uh, two, three hundred students, um, two hundred students at a time, but overall three hundred students because there was a class over me and a class below me from 94 different nationalities. And that was truly transformative. You can imagine when you're 15, 16, 17, it's already such a change in time for anybody, let alone doing it in a foreign country, let alone doing it with people uh, from other countries that have never been exposed to that sort of international environment. It's not the average international boarding school you may think of straight away. It's an, it's an idea that allows students from all around the world to come together through scholarships, no matter what their income is, and live together and experience that and see how their prejudices and ideas and misconceptions of other countries and nationalities fall apart. Um, after that, I went to college in the U.S. and that was a whole other experience. But for me to have those two transformative years happen and them happening in Italy was absolutely essential. Um, I cannot imagine having had that experience in other country. This is important to note because I don't know if you probably don't know about UWC, the organization I was speaking about, but as of right now, they have more than 15 schools all over the world. Uh, when I was a student, there were only around 12. There was one in Italy, one in Maastricht in the Netherlands. There was one in Wales, one in Hong Kong, one in uh, Swaziland, where my best friend is from, actually. The... And right now there are many more. There is even one in mainland China. There is one in Armenia. There are many different ones. As I was saying, it was absolutely essential for me that it happened in Italy. And I cannot imagine having had that experience in any other country. And that is because Italy and Spain, where I'm from originally, they are similar countries, but they are by no means the same country at all. But they do share something which I will refer to as the Mediterranean spirit. Um, and why do I call it the Mediterranean spirit? It's because I wouldn't want to call it just the Iberian spirit for the Iberia, Iberian Peninsula. I wouldn't also want to call it the, the Italian spirit. There is something about European, Southern European countries that are by the shores of the Mediterranean that you don't find elsewhere in the world. And maybe you do, but it's a combination of the fact that we speak similar languages and we're located in a similar 
place uh, with a similar climate, with a similar culture and food that makes us very similar yet very different from one another. For one reason or another, the Italians were the first to be truly directly affected by the coronavirus in large numbers in mainland Europe. And they were also the first ones to take like very intense measures against that, like a lockdown. If you think about it, we've sort of normalized the thought that a lockdown is you know, a normal measure because we've seen it in other countries. The US is seeing it happen in mainland Europe. Spaniards saw it happen in Italy. It was something that had already existed somewhere else. And so we thought of it as rare. We continue to think about it as rare, but it's not something absolutely out of the question. But I asked myself, can you only imagine what it must be, what it must have been like for the Italians to have to implement a lockdown without any other country having done so in mainland Europe or in any big country affected by this virus. It must have been something very scary. They had no clue what a lockdown looked like. Now we have examples in other countries about what a lockdown looks like. We have it in Spain, we have it in Italy. We can look at those and say, okay, this is what we do when a lockdown happens. But the Italians were the first in doing so. And that is something that many people are not speaking about. The fact that all these trends and all these videos that have gone viral of Italians singing in balconies, of uh, them communicating with, with one another while respecting the social distancing and isolation, that is something that had not been seen anywhere else before. And they honestly have done so and have faced this situation virtuously. And I would want to say as well, in an enviable way, um, they have done such a good job at setting the example for everyone else in Europe. Um, now, I'd like to speak about somebody that I follow on social media. Um, her name is Chiara Ferragni, and she's an entrepreneur, a model, and a fashion icon in Italy and in many places in Europe and in other Western countries as well. Um, she's, you know, as all big icons on social media, there are many people that have mixed feelings about her, but, and I think that's for many reasons, but many people feel strongly about people being successful and, and yeah, I will not go into that. What I will speak about today is about how watching her stories, her day-to-day -day life on her social media profiles, especially on Instagram, has honestly been a very good example for me because I wasn't so surprised when they announced that Spain would go on lockdown because I had been keeping track with what her lockdown had looked like. Um, she's been staying at home since day one with her husband and her baby and she's been talking about how that experience has been for her with uh, all of her followers and she also did something that I think was fantastic which is she did a crowdfunding for one of the hospitals in Milan, where she's originally from, um, is the Ospedale San Raffaele. And one of the problems in this hospital is that there were just not enough facilities to look after everyone that was coming in sick from the virus. Um, so what she did, she started this crowdfunding uh, movement. So far, as of right now, I am on the page and she's managed, her and her husband have managed 
to collect um, over 4,190,000 euros uh, with the objective of providing with this hospital with the facilities needed to face um, the struggle that is now a reality in Italy and in many other countries. Um, now, f over 4 million euros is a lot of money um, and that comes from over 190 thousand different donors which just shows that when social media is done well and is done right the power of it is truly unstoppable and this may sound as a cliche but it's true that many other social media icons and celebrities could have done this crowdfunding but the first person to do it was Chiara Ferragni and for that honestly she has all my respect you may like her you may not like her but people that uphold values such as generosity or solidarity and that are not afraid and don't hesitate, don't think twice about sharing them with all their followers on social media. Honestly, that deserves some respect. And many other celebrities could have done so, but she didn't. And whether or not others followed, that's great. I'm glad they followed if they did, but she was the first one to do it. Um, and since day one, she's been telling everyone to stay at home. Um, she's been telling everybody and sharing with everyone the importance of following the guidelines set by the government and encouraging other people. And I think this is key, encouraging other people in foreign countries to not take it lightly. And that's easier said than actually done. Um, she's made sure to translate everything she shared on social media into English and to share with everyone the importance of uh, taking this seriously and doing it in a way that can be productive for yourself, but more importantly for your community. Thanks to her initiative, um, all the more serious or more at-risk Patients at this hospital will now have access to non-invasive ventilation devices, fans, hemodynamic monitors, um, and a whole lot of other types of facilities in the intensive care section of the hospital itself. Then again, I think she set a very healthy and very positive example of what social media celebrities and icons should be doing everywhere. Um, I don't really understand people that don't use their public image to share a good and positive uh, message. I don't understand people that in the face of injustices, being public uh, icons, public figures like they are, don't share their opinions with the world. Um, I also just don't share overall, and I don't quite understand when people say they don't feel strongly about something if you have a matter a subject in front of you and you don't have an opinion about it it means that you are not informed about it so definitely would encourage everybody to be informed about all subjects they may or may not be interested in just so they can have an opinion on them you can not have an opinion if you don't know a situation if you are not aware if you've not done your research and if you've not done the reading that you should be doing about a subject you can only have an opinion once you know um, the facts and for that you have to choose your media sources you have to choose who you listen to and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be listening or having discussions with people that disagree with you 
But for people to disagree with you, they have to have an opinion. And for you to disagree with them, you have to have an opinion. And where does that opinion come from? From being informed. So I would definitely encourage everybody to really look for good sources of information. Uh, speak with everybody. Once you have a bit of information, once you feel like you can have an opinion about something and you are truly informed and objectively informed, then speak with everyone. Speak with people that agree with you and speak with people that don't agree with you. Because we all live our own experiences and once we have the facts about a subject or a matter In addition to your own experiences, then you have an opinion. And sharing those opinions with other people cannot bring anything about but positive outcomes. Um, and linking this back to my own experience in Italy and at the international high school that I went to, this is something I learned there. This is something I incorporated into my day-to-day -day experiences. When you live with people from all over the world, believe me, their experiences are different from yours and once you have the same facts about a subject and you have different experiences and you can build your own opinion on a matter having discussions and healthy conversations about it without taking things personally can be very fruitful and can be very positive of course then again this is easier said than done but we have to get started somewhere and this can apply to virtually all aspects of your life, whether it's with a family member, with a friend, with somebody you don't know over the internet. I think that's one of my favorite things to do is um, discuss with strangers on the internet on different subjects. That's what many of us do on Twitter or Instagram or social media in general. So this is just for, for thought. Um, I am very grateful for my own experience in the international high school that I went to in Duino, Italy. And I so am feeling for all the Italians that have been so hit so hard by this experience. Um, but I'm also inspired by people like Chiara and many other people that have shown signs of solidarity and actions. And I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast, actions speak louder than words. However, I would also like to highlight that words speak loudly too. And what do I mean by this? I mean that there are some subjects, there are some topics that I just don't believe people should be quiet about. And with that in mind, I would like to encourage everyone, if you see people you care about and people you don't even know, strangers, doing something that goes against your community, speak up. If you see someone physically doing an action that harms or puts at risk your own community, or if you see somebody sharing this type of behavior on social media, call them out. Social media is for people to see. If people are posting something on social media, they should be open for conversation. And if somebody doesn't want to take in your feedback or takes it the wrong way, that's on them. You are doing your part. So hold people that you care about accountable but also strangers, because at the end of the day, this is your community we're talking about. The reason why I'm staying at home right now is not that I don't get infected. It's so my community doesn't get hurt at a worse level. And I know that I have a social responsibility individually and collectively with everyone else here in Spain. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will now leave you with one of my favorite Italian songs. Um, and I hope you're staying healthy, safe, washing your hands, and keep your mind active. Bye!